Good morning, Rock Bible Church. It is good to see you guys. What a week. Good to be in the Lord's house, amen? At the uh, beginning of every week. Um, I kind of love that idea. You know, it used to be that uh, six days you would work and the seventh you would rest, and that was Sabbath, and that was kind of under the old system. Um, and then nobody ever really asked the question, well, why is it that we, um, why, why do we do Sunday? That's not Sabbath, right? Because it was Sunday that they went to the tomb and it was empty. That's when the church and Christians started celebrating the first of the week. And it really brings us back to, let's give our first to him, right? So I've always loved that thing and uh, how that fits in. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in. We're continuing on our series in James, and usually uh, we do a passage at a time this morning. We're doing two verses um, because of the content and because the third verse jumps to a different topic, and I thought this was a good one, uh, especially considering current culture today, uh, where we stand, where we sit, where we go, what we watch, and what goes on. Um, so this morning, we're just we're James chapter 4, uh, verses 11 and 12, uh, two verses. So get your Bibles out. Everything's going to be on the screen, uh, as always. And look at that, our whole lesson on one slide, right? Now, I promise you I'm going to fill 45 minutes, <laughs> okay? Because um, you know how I am. Uh, let's pray uh, and remember and talk to the one who this show is all about. Yeah? Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for our opportunity to gather. And Lord, uh, whether it would have been at the end of the week or the beginning of the week, that we draw attention to you, that hallowed be your name, that Lord, we reset, remember, rethink, set goals, understand, based on you, who you are, what you've created, what you've planned, what you care about. Uh, and Lord, uh, this morning that we would see with that, all those around us that you put around us. May we see it as all on purpose. May uh, you be with this time, guided by your spirit. Uh, may it honor you and glorify your son and his finished work on the cross. It is finished, he said. We praise you for all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. No one got the hint last week. Front row's still out, so I got a whole field. Plenty of room. We're going to have some fun this morning. Uh, this is James chapter 4, verse uh, 11 and 12. If you look at your outlines at the top, it says, speak no evil. Remember, remember the old phrase, uh, Hear no evils, see no evil, speak no evil, right? Um, I couldn't help myself because uh, I'm, I'm a glutton for the corny, okay? Um, but when I see the first verse, it says, do not speak evil. There it is. Uh, some people ask, and not too much anymore. They've, they've started to figure it out. Where do you get the titles? Where do you get the fill-in ideas and stuff? I steal them all. Right, uh, and some some people would take me to Exodus chapter twenty verse fifteen: "Thou shalt not steal." That's not actually what the verse says. If you go back and actually read it, it doesn't say "Thou shalt not steal," does it? We don't know. That's what it says, folks. It says, "Thou shalt not steal." Okay, I'm not I'm not stealing it. Don't no. Um, there you go, there you go. No, uh, but we, we get our ideas from Scripture. Not just me for a title, not just me for my feelings, um, but it kind of begs the question, where do you get your ideas? Where do you get your priorities? Uh, your reasoning. Um, we, I used this phrase this week, and somebody said, I, I don't know what that means. I was talking about your standard of measure. Like, standard of measure, what's that? It's like, what do you measure things by? And that idea that we have preconceived notions, a bias, 
a core value, uh, something that mama taught you way back, or grandpa always said, you know, my first grade teacher taught me that. Those can all be great. Um, I want to ask the question, how much does God and his word define what you do, what you think, and how much of it are you stealing? Steal it all, best you can, okay? So, little side commercial, do not speak evil, amen? This is is a couple, three words, uh, against one another, brothers. Do not speak evil, that'd be one thing. But he gets very specific, he says, don't do it against, we're talking about neighbors, right? Your brothers, your neighbors, and don't speak it, not to them, but against them. It says, hey, not just be careful what you say. Don't say bad stuff against people. Um, pretty straightforward? Come on, folks, this is first service. Is that pretty straightforward? As far as like a truth that's being communicated, this is a command, right? Hey, does it say, do not speak evil against one another, brothers, unless... If your brother, blah, 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 well, then it's okay. Now, this is what we would call a command, but we'd also call it an absolute statement. I don't don't know if you've kind of thought about this. Um, This one kind of spins in my head regularly. Who gets to make absolute statements? God does. Okay. All right, let's start the list. Who else? There's number two on the list. Okay, we're at church and somebody said Jesus. Okay, for those of you at home, okay, well, let's just add the Holy Spirit right now and then let's put scripture on there. Okay, we got our four. Outside of the heavenly realms, okay, we've covered them. Who gets to make absolute statements? Parents get, I don't know. My parents made a lot of statements to me. I thought were absolute only to find out later they were temporal right? Don't touch the stove. Absolute statement. I touch the stove almost every day now. No, not when it's on, right? There's conditional things that sometimes, right? How many things are absolute statements that have legitimacy and authority behind them that come from anybody else but the Godhead or the Holy Trinity? I don't know. We got too many answers over here for God, right? Um, (laughs) Absolute, absolute statements come from one place and one place alone. Unless mom quotes scripture and then she stole it. Yeah, it's an absolute statement. Oh, mom can make absolute statements. Yeah, she, she said this straight out of the Bible. Well, yeah, but that was she didn't generate it, right? I don't want you to ever... Mm-hmm. Careful, we're starting to make rules, right? Against other people. Ooh, see how it ties in? We made an absolute statement about another person. What does it do to you when somebody else makes an absolute statement to you? Well, it says evil, Scott. Don't speak evil again. It's not an absolute statement. Uh, Think about this. When people give you directions, when people say things to you, most of the time it's to manipulate you. It's to get you to do what they want you to do. Is that in your best interest? It could be, it might be, but whose interest is it for sure in the person who said it, right? We have to be careful about, uh, one, what we say, what comes out of our mouths, but also uh, what we take in, how we hear it. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. What, what, um, what fits into that category? Nice hair. That was sarcastic, right? If I said that to someone, would that be evil? The tone, right? You could take anything and make it bad, right? Hey, how come you didn't? Now, however that sentence ends, did we start off negative? Right? Why don't you ever? You know, if you would just, did you hear about Mary? All those kind of things that we say. 
What's the motivation? What's the, we said it earlier, standard of measure for what comes out of your mouth? Okay? Now, this is just for the things that come out of your mouth, right? Someone say no. Put the phone down. Get off the computer. The stuff that you type, the stuff that you thumb. Oh, my favorite right now is, is you push that one button, you can just talk into the phone. And it, oh, like a whole sentence, two sentences. Send. I'm done. Right? Um, what we generate could be very dangerous. James says there's some absolute statements, according to God, as to what comes out of our mouth. And one of the things he says he wants us to measure the most in that is, is, is it against? Could it, be, could it be qualified as against anything? Right? And now he's going to explain it. Right, why shouldn't you? And he's going to talk about how great other people are and how valuable your brother is and how much God loves them and that they're a creation of God. Is that what he's going to talk about? Say no. No. Because the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. What was just left out of the equation? We got you. We got the brother that you're speaking against. We got the law. And we got judging, right? A judge. Who just got left out of the equation? The brother. There's no question about the brother. There's no statement about the brother. There's no qualifier. Hey, you can talk about the other brother. Well, you know, they're not Christian. So, well, really? Because this doesn't say don't speak about against Christian brothers only. They say don't speak about against people that are older than you or younger than you. There's no qualifier. I love what James does here. He introduces this topic about don't speak against your brother and then uses nothing about the brother to define his absolute statement. In fact, he turns back, and who does he point at? Whoever's speaking. He says, when you speak like that, it doesn't matter who the brother is. This is who you are when you speak. Ooh, that hurts. For me a little. I know you guys are really good at the things that come out of your mouth, but maybe this lesson's just for me this morning. Uh, the one who speaks against a brother judges his brother. Whoops. Who'd you just become? You were just a speaker, now you're the judge, right? I think if I ever go to court, I want to be the attorney and the judge. I, I think that's a great scenario. Uh, that's what we're doing when we talk about, against other people. It speaks evil against the law. Ooh, I thought we were speaking evil against our brother. What just got substituted for brother? Law just got, well, now we're not even talking about brother, now we're speaking evil against the law. What did God and James just do together? He said, not only are we going to take brother out of the equation, now it's what you're saying. It's about you. And by the way, now you're in a different battle. You're in a different scenario. No. Where'd the law come from? Okay, good. Are we in, are we, um, are we in a little bit of trouble if we are in opposition to the law, okay, watch, it's about to get worse. And judges the law. Ooh, who just put themselves above the law? Oh, really? I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do it. Who, there's only one above the law. Who's that? Okay, we're going to hear that in a minute. There's, God's the only one who's above the law. He made the law, right? When you try to put yourself above the law, who are you trying to equate yourself with? Ooh, you did all that by just saying, I hate Ricky. No, I don't hate Ricky. I love her. She's my little sister. Okay? I hate that she moved to Africa, but I don't hate her. Just to make that clear, I said it out loud. We've got to fix the tape, right? Um, we just went dark. 
from saying something against somebody to all of a sudden now you've taken God's place. James equates those things. Speaking against your neighbor, being mean, being difficult, fighting. Uh, um, well, I won't. I want to tell a story about a soccer parent thing, but it probably is not in the best interest, okay? Who think that they get to make the rules and tell the club what has to happen and dictate to the coach and the whole thing. And I had to stand in front of 15 angry parents and say, nope. Nope, not today. Nope, not ever. Next question. That's kind of what James is saying to us. When we go in opposition, all of the answers are, nope, not today, not ever. Because you're, you're in trouble with God now, and I'm moving out of the way, right? You know the fun, the fun little thing people do sometimes when, when they're with a friend, and the friend says something pretty negative or dark or whatever, and, 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 the, and the friend stand next to him goes, well, I'm going to stand over here. They're like, what? what are you doing? Why are you standing over there? Well, when God strikes you with lightning, I want to be far away. Right? This is kind of what James is doing, right? Uh, look look um, back at the verse. Uh, but if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Wow. Now we're talking about my actions. I thought I just was saying a negative thing about Ricky. <laughs> now I'm like anti active towards God. What? Verse 12. Halfway through, folks. There's only one lawgiver and judge. Do you hate it or love it when the Bible is concise and clear? There's only one. What did that just do to all of us? You're fired. Remember that? Like, like, without getting into the whole political thing, I did kind of like back when that show was on. You're fired. I just, I don't know. I wish that could make a comeback. I know it won't where we are today. Um, you don't get to be a lawgiver. We used to say this at my house all the time when the kids were younger. They've kind of learned it, and we're running out of opportunities to use this phrase, but uh, you don't make the rules. It was rough one day when one of the kids said it back to me. Oh, yeah, well, you don't make the rules. And I was like, careful there, buddy. And they were like, God makes the rules. And I was like, dang it. Where do I go from here? There's parent handbook. When this happens, what do you do? Um, children, obey your parents. Thank Judy, can you just hang out in the back room in my house so when I need you, you can come in? Like, that would have been so brilliant at the time, okay? There you go. There you go. All right, well, there's some people with young kids, and they're, they're taking notes on this stuff right now, right? Um, you're, you're a lawgiver and a judge. You're making value statements. Ooh. You know the rough part about a judge's statements? They're for one and they're against another. Right? I, does it ever happen? Like you go into court and the judge says, well, I'm going to rule on your behalf and on your behalf. Go be happy. No, there's a winner and a... No, when you say losers, you got to be a loser. Right? You just really make it sting. Um, we... We can't be the ones who pick value. You speak against somebody, you're picking value. That's rough. Because God is the only one who defines value. Did we figure that one out? Okay. Um, your brother, in my case, is my sister, Ricky. If I speak against her, am I determining her value? Man, that's a trick question. Scott, I don't know. Too many complications there. I'm trying to, aren't I? I'm trying to define her value. Let's set Scott aside, okay? 
It's a good practice, by the way. What did Jesus say about Ricky's value? How valuable is she? Was she? And will she continue to be? She's worth the life sacrifice of the Son of God. Uh Uh-oh. I just said I hated something that God said is worth dying for. Now, this is just an analogy. I must give a little you know, explanation. I don't hate my sister. I love her to death. Did you catch that phrase? I love her to death. That's her value. Love her to death. Ooh, the person that you want to be against, love them to death. That political figure that's on the opposite side for you, love them to death. Well, how dare you say that? I thought we weren't a political church. We're not. We're a love them to death church. Why? James said, God said, Jesus exemplified our value. We can't pick value and say for this against that. God can, and we can quote him, right? Remember, steal stuff from him? Absolutely. But when it comes to acting on it, you got to act like you love him to death. When it comes to people, I have one job description. Only one thing. Love them. Yeah, but they're wrong. Love them. They're always late. I love them. You never do. I don't understand what they did to our family. Love them. You can't believe what they got 13,500 people to read on Facebook in our town. How do you love them? Good luck. It's your only option because we have an absolute command, right? We don't do against. There's one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save. Can you prove it? By the time James wrote this, he knew exactly who his brother was. And he'd seen what Jesus did on the cross that he said, it is finished. And he said, Savior. God knows how to save. And to destroy. Whoops. We could think that when we're talking about our neighbor and against our neighbor, that, the, we, that James might be referencing this and say, you know, if your neighbor's in trouble, if they're out of line, if they're a little off and you're really meaning to help, however you say it, whatever, you can't save them and you can't destroy them. That's God's job, right? Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. We can say all this stuff. I wonder if it's something a little bit different. Hey, you... We're not talking about brothers anymore. In fact, we've swapped brother out of the equation. We've put it, replaced it with law or judge, blah, blah, blah. We're in a whole thing. We stopped talking about the brother a long time ago. God is able to save you or destroy you. We're not talking about the brother. They're not in trouble. Whoa. You've been wrong. I know our church says, like, oh, we're doing confession now. <laughs> yeah. You've been wrong. About something. Knew you were right. Just knew you were right. We're at a restaurant the other night. Julie says, don't look now. Over at the other table, we know them. They were on the board at that thing. And da, da, da. I look over. That's nah, not them. She's like, it's them. I said, no, it's not them. I know it's not them. I'm sure. He's like, honey, you're wrong. It's them. Wait a little while. I snuck a peek. I was like, ooh, you're right. Didn't see him from that angle, right? I hate being wrong. But we're wrong from time to time. You go against somebody and you find out they were actually in the right. Who's in trouble? You are. How about this? If God's able to save and destroy, then whatever your topic of conversation is that you're against the other person about, he's got that. God's chuckling, laughing at you, 
that you're so worried that you, we have to this or can't do, or we should never, whatever. And God's like, look, I can fix it, solve it, destroy it, save it, whatever. I could do it 78 times in an hour. What I'm really concerned about is your condition. How come you are in conflict with them? I'm okay with them. Uh, I created them just the way I wanted them. They're perfect. You, not so much. I mean, I created you perfect, but you are all kind of sideways right now. Boy, I wish you would adjust and adapt to them. They're in good shape. You're a mess. Now, does God talk to any of you that way? That's the way he talks to me, right? We're, we're like fellow buddies at the public school. He's like a year older than me and pointing out stuff to me, but in sarcastic, harsh ways, right? Or he takes my lunch money because he can destroy. But here it goes to end. Who are you to, to judge your neighbor? Love that. What's, who's to focus on? Focus on us. Focus on you. Focus like, uh, are you really evaluating yourself? What are you really trying to accomplish here? Are there going to be dead bodies along the road behind you? What are you doing? And by the way, judging? No. No, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged. I always felt bad for less. Because less was going to be judged. There's not less you be judged. Sorry. Pastor jokes. I got to get them in. Um, and then what happens at the end there? Last two words. Your what? No, it was brother, wasn't it? Let's go back. I love this. We don't have to go back slides. We just go to the top. Uh, speak one against your brother. All right. Second sentence, brother, brother twice. Uh, where'd brother go? All of a sudden, we're down at the bottom. You know, this James guy, I don't know if we can trust him. Guy can't keep his references straight. Talking about brother in one sentence, and the very next, he's moved on to neighbor. Is that a mistake? Was it an inconsequential, no big deal? Could it be on purpose? When he says, who are you to judge your neighbor? What? reference starts to come to mind when you hear your neighbor. If we take those last three words, which word do you want to substitute? Judge your neighbor. Which one? You know because the question is indicting, right? You don't want anybody to know that James asked you this question because they would know you're in trouble, right? They ask you this question and you say, that's okay. We're going to do this uh, genie lamp thing, kind of. I'm going to let you switch out one word. Of the last three words, judge your neighbor. Which word do you want to switch? Somebody said your? Judge the neighbor? Judge a neighbor? No. I'm, someone else said, I'm swapping out judge. I mean, if I swap out judge, imagine the things you could put in there. Like, what could you put in there? You put some amazing things. Trust your neighbor? Well, that sounds pretty good. Help your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. Smack your neighbor. I kind of like that one too sometimes. Right? Any guesses? We're at church. Don't go dark on me. Go light. Okay? Move towards the light. What do you think the best option is scripturally for substituting that word? How did you all get that right at the same time? James trying to get a point across. Love your neighbor. Speak no evil. Speaking evil against your neighbor, does it affect them? Maybe. Kind of. Depends on them and other things. Who does it for sure always affect? The speaker. And here's the thing, it might not affect you, it might just be commentary on who you already are.
It's not the effect that's going to come. It's, oh, you played yourself, and I know where your head's at. Great line from a famous theologian. Cool Modi, rapper from the 80s. Play yourself, and I know where your head's at. This idea that when you do something, you're putting your cards on the table. Oh, now I know what you have. Here's the thing. When we go dark, when we go negative, when we go conflict, when we go against people, you're putting your cards on the table and they know who they're playing with and what you have. They have a tremendous advantage now. They know you're evil and a problem and they won't play with you anymore. May the Lord bless the reading of his word, amen? Yeah, we say that with a little sarcasm. Uh, love these two verses, this idea that we shouldn't be, we, sh- we need to be careful um, about what we speak against others. I'm hoping that today we're getting the idea be- that it is because of what it means about us rather than them. I've said this several times in our series in the book of James. What I love about James is he talks about me. Rather than them, he talks about me. The whole stinking book, when I get done, I need a hug. Because it hurts a little. And and at other times, I'm like, yeah, let's go to dinner. Because I'm feeling good. Like, there's a shot for me. I'm hoping that you get both out of that. Uh, let's look. Um, I want to just see this little thing out of Luke um, 6.45. I put this as a little verse at the top of your outline on the back, right, right where we started the fill-ins. Um, it says, uh, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. This is a little quote um, from Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's, the verse is great. Uh, Jesus talking about the good person is this way, the evil person is that way. But he makes this statement at the end of that little thing in Luke 6. He says, your mouth speaks, and some of us maybe learned it this way, from abundance of the heart. We tend to think that our mouth speaks because we make great observations about other people, and we're just making sure we're communicating so everybody can be safe. We think that when we talk about somebody else, that it's about them. Jesus says, no, when you speak, it's about you. One of the greatest things for my psyche, for my emotional, mental health, was figuring out that just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. It just means I know something more about them when they say that. And then I got to be careful what comes out of my mouth. Why? Because sometimes words speak louder than actions. First set of fill-ins, sometimes words speak louder than actions. You've heard that phrase, action speaks louder than words. Hmm. I get the point. Hey, you said you were going to do this, and then you didn't do it. Your actions spoke louder than your words. Yeah. Yeah. When we're just talking about actions. But sometimes when we say things... It speaks volumes about who we are. It's, um, it's a window into the soul. Jesus said it shows your heart because that's where it came from. Um, we get that idea from verse 11, obviously. Um, but I love what the New American Standard says in, in Luke 6.45, quoting Jesus. That's where the mouth speaks from. When you speak evil against your neighbor, somebody just got cliff notes on your heart. Number two, because if, if words speak louder than actions sometimes, who's it? it's speaking about us, right? But what is it doing to us? I remember a little bit ago where we were finishing the passage, I said, you know, sometimes it might not be about what's going to happen, the effect it's going to have. It might be a commentary on who you've already become. Let's, let's talk about both of those processes, what you've already become and what might happen to you. Both of those processes are described in what James talks about here, and, and this is it. Trouble with people, trouble with people 
puts you at odds with the law. And then in progression, it puts you in opposition to God. I, James is trying to make it really clear. In fact, he does it in two verses. He says, look, when you lash out against a neighbor, you are at war with God. Oh, by the way, I love this, he's undefeated. Right? Undefeated. Love that. Now, for some reason, everybody thinks that they're going to be the first ones to beat God at something. I know it didn't work out for Jonah so well. I'm still going to try it. Right? I know it didn't work out for Eve and Adam in the garden so well, but I'm going to have a better approach. No. Trouble with people puts you at odds with the law and in opposition to God. Um, four different times it talks about this process, right? Uh, verse 11, it says, evil against another brother, right? And then it says, one who speaks against a brother, you become a judge of the law, and there's only one law, lawgiver and judge. If you cut out a bunch of little extra phrases, you can see the natural progression for that last set of fill-ins, the middle one. Trouble with people puts you in opposition, at odds with the law and in opposition to God. Anybody remember Back to the Future? Michael J. Fox? I love that. Knocking on McFly's head. Hello, McFly. It was the big guy trying to get the little guy's attention going, hey. I love that idea of trying to get somebody's attention. You think God's trying to get our attention and say, look, uh, this doesn't work the, thing you, the way you think it does. Picking sides means you're an adversary. There's a great concept, um, and I was taught this by uh, Dr. John Tompkins, um, who I love and is a sage, and you should all love. Uh, we, f we function in three roles at all times. You're in one of these three roles, and those roles can change in seconds, back and forth. You have a persecutor, you have a victim, and you have a rescuer. And the, more he, the concept is recognizing when somebody comes into the scenario, are they persecuting, are they the victim, or are they trying to solve it? Are they being the hero? I love this because it has helped me so many different ways recognize, who am I being right now? Am I being victimized right now? Did they just come after me? <gasps> what? I need to go on the offensive. Oh, yeah? Well, blah, 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 blah. Who have I just become? I was a victim. Who have I just become? I just became the persecutor. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be the victim. No, I'm going on offense, right? What do we need? We need the rescuer to step in and go, hey, uh, this is not working the way you think this was working. You guys are doing persecutor victim thing and you're trading roles back and forth. How about you do rescuer? What? What's that? I thought we were just supposed to fight and win. No. Fight and win, everybody loses. Right? Um, I want to draw your attention to Exodus 20, 15. Right? Or 2016. Sorry. Um, Remember I said Exodus 20, 15, thou shalt not stay. I said, that's not what it says. Does it? And you all, like, turtled. Went back in your shells and went, oh, no, I'm not going to question the pastor, especially publicly. Someone might hear me. Pretty sure that's what it says. Okay, this time I'm flipping it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, does not say what you think it says. Right? You've heard do not steal. Right? How about this one? You shall not lie. Does the Bible say that? They know. And yet everything within your soul right now says, yes, it does. In fact, if I say it doesn't say it, I'll be lying and I'll be violating the thing I think it says is, is thou shalt not lie. No worries. I can't save your soul, but I can solve this. Ready? Uh, give us, um, you got both of them? 
together? We don't. All right, let's, let's do this one first. All right, now let's go, go back to um, the ESV. Thanks. Uh, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Oh, man, that's a long sentence. How about let's shorten it? We'll just say, shall not lie. That's easier. We're Americans. We're lazy. This fits right in with us. Let's look at um, New American Standard, the way it says it. Probably just a translation thing. If they translate it properly, like dead accurate, New American Standard is considered the most literal word for word. We don't change the word order or verb order as much as possible to retain, they think, original meaning. I have great respect for NASB. This is what I learned most of my stuff on. Okay, We use ESV in the church because it's a little bit easier of a read and it's deadly accurate. Okay, NASB says here, um, does it say you shall not lie? Oh, it didn't go lazy? Love that when translators try really hard and do their work. Um, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Huh. Now, I put those two verses top to bottom and compare them. You know, it's the same for both translations. First three words, you shall not. Right? Last three words, against your neighbor. Okay? Now, the middle words, give give false testimony or bear false witness, those are a little bit different between ESV and NASB. And pick any other translation, you might get some variation of something in there. Right? It's talking about speaking where others can hear, and you shouldn't do it against your neighbor. Right? This would have been the Bible that James and his boys and ladies and everybody in that culture would remember if you asked a, a, a group of Israelites back then, does the Bible say you shall not lie? They'll say, where does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. But it does say you shall not bear false witness against your, or you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Right? When James says, you should not speak evil against your neighbor. He's referencing a phrase that they would know absolutely, and they would go back to it as fast as you did when I said, hey, we're going to take out judge with your neighbor, and what are you going to put in there? You said love. Why? Love your neighbor as yourself. That verse we know. This would have been a verse that they knew and understood, and, and therefore got across the idea that God says, as one of his commands, don't go against your neighbor. You'll get in trouble. And my favorite example of this is uh, Rahab. Anybody remember who Rahab was? She's the one that got the raiders to come to her town. She's a prostitute of the New Testament. Okay, I'm, I'm testing you guys over and over, and you're just like freaking out, right? <laughs> it's a First Testament story. Two spies come to town. They're the good guys. And the bad guys, Rahab lets them in the house, hides them. The bad guys come to the house, knock on the door. Are the spies here? She lied. They were there. Bad guys leave. And then in the New Testament, writers talk about how great Rahab was. And we all think of her as Rahab the prostitute. I think she should be called Rahab the liar. It was okay to lie. She was protecting two men from death. And the bad people don't get to know the truth just because they think they want to know the truth or they have some right, or you as a Christian, you have to tell me the truth. I don't have to tell you nothing. In fact, I want to do what's in best interest of my neighbor. And you guys aren't acting like my neighbors right now. They are. I'm going to bear testimony in favor of my neighbor. Now, I want to make dead clear, I am not giving you permission to lie. And I never will. Sorry. Bummer Sunday. 
I do want you to recognize the difference between bearing false witness against your neighbor or giving f false testimony against your neighbor. Neighbor, that, that is different than you shall not lie. They need to recognize, eat both of them. What path, what equation does it put you on with God? Because more important than any of the phraseology and anything, the one common thing in all of the verses we just looked at, against your neighbor. For some reason, I think it has to do with love and sacrifice and forgiveness. That's a big deal to God. Against your neighbor is a big deal to God. I think there's him, his kid, and then we don't do against your neighbor. We do love your neighbor, and I will mess you up if you jack this order up. Gosh, that was like harsh words. Church. Well, yeah, Julie's not here. I can get away with it. That wasn't funny? That wasn't? It was. I don't know. I'm in big trouble now because it's recorded. All right? She's going to find it. Um, last thing. Uh, act like neither one is you. Right? <laughs> it says, uh, you know, for the one who speaks against his neighbor, right, right? And then later it says, for there is one lawgiver and judge. There's two ones talked about in this equation. There's the one who speaks against his neighbor, and there's the one law judge, giver and judge. Newsflash. Be neither one from these two passages. You're not God. Right? You're not God. I love what you sang this morning. You're the only one who can. You, you repeated it several times. It's one of the newer type things that we sing in culture, not the older hymns. They tend to not repeat themselves as much. But we've got the choruses now that we do where we repeat things and we say them very like devotionally as we sing them over and over. You know what you're saying? You're saying um, you're the only one who can over and over. You've got to remember that. There's only one who can and it ain't you. It's him. Whatever you think about your brother, your neighbor, your sister, whatever. If they're going to be saved or destroyed, who's handling that? Whose job description is that? His. Not yours. Right? And then, obviously, there's the one who speaks against his neighbor. Don't be that. We had this soccer coach in the club for years, um, older guy, he was Greek. His name was Manoli. Older Greek guy, just like the grandpa you always wanted, happy, the just massive smile on his face. And when he smiled and you looked at him, you could tell that that smile had happened way too many times because his face was chiseled in all the smile positions. And he had glasses, and he was getting older and the whole thing. Uh, he came to the opening of Rock Bible Church. I remember he used to say to the players on the field, uh, John and Cyrus, both, um, he coached both of them for a little while. Um, he would say, we don't make enemies. We only make friends. I love that. I think that's kind of what James is getting at here. Um, I want to read to you Isaiah. We'll close with this. I want to read to you Isaiah uh, 3322 out of the New American Standard. I think the reference is incorrect on your notes, by the way. It's Isaiah 3322. Um, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. In this little passage that James gives us, does he reference the law the judge? Does he reference the lawgiver? Does he reference the Lord? Does he reference that God is the one who can save? He does. From this quote from Isaiah, though, what's the only thing that James doesn't reference? King. When you speak against your neighbor, the only thing in question is, do you think you're king or do you think he is? That's a big question. 
what you say is about you. It's never about them. Amen? Uh, Lord, forgive us. Uh, forgive us for stepping out at times. Stepping off the path. Stepping on others. Uh, pray, Lord, that you would wa uh, watch um, our actions and help us with what we think are absolute statements and what our motivations are. I pray, Lord, that you would give us yourself, your son, what's important to you, what you've done, what you continue to do as our standard of measure. And we want, we want you, Lord, for salvation and forgiveness. Um, may we want you as much for being our standard for today, the little things, what comes out of our mouth and way beyond that, Lord, what we think about. There's no one better than you. If you never accepted Christ, if this stuff is starting to make sense to you for the first time and you want in, maybe it's time for you to tell God for the first time, no one better than you. I accept your forgiveness, your salvation. I believe in your son as Savior and Lord. And I want you to be my standard from now on. You pray that. Or you pray it however you want. But if that's you, let us know. We want to help. Thanks, Lord, for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray you would help use it for us as a church to love our neighbors. Amen. Wow, just two verses? Man. Praise God for his depth, amen. May you speak no evil. Amen? Go with him.